If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Today on Radical Personal Finance, we're going to talk about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, not in any terms of details of the case, but rather simply using it as a catalyst to talk about how you can stay out of jail, protect yourself from assault, and then also possibly protect your fortune. Welcome to Radical Personal Finance, a show dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, insight, and encouragement you need to live a rich and meaningful life now while building a plan for financial freedom in 10 years or less. My name is Joshua Sheets. I am your host, and I'm not usually drawing from the tabloids with regard to choosing topics for Radical Personal Finance, but this one is important in many different areas. Frankly, I haven't actually spent much time digging into the Johnny Depp thing, um, Amber Heard thing. Pop culture is not really my interest. Uh, I'm interested in it from a legal perspective, but I see that it's an important uh, discussion. And it's something that I want to talk about because it has application to more broad-ranging aspects of life. So we're going to talk about some difficult subjects today, but intimate subjects Uh, might be one better well if you're if you're dealing with, with your children who are teens uh, and preteens then definitely this is a show that they need to listen to if it's younger than that this is probably a better one for them to skip uh, before i get to the details though today's podcast brought to you by bitcoinprivacycourse.com bitcoinprivacycourse.com uh and on today's show <laughs> <laughs> it's funny talking about Bitcoin privacy. There's actually a whole big recent development now in divorce law and divorce cases where people are trying to figure out how to deal with the Bitcoin. Did the guy hide the money in the Bitcoin and how much is the Bitcoin worth and, and all of that. So it's a little hard for me to do an ad because I'm not encouraging you to hide your money in Bitcoin. Uh, but I am simultaneously encouraging you to buy your Bitcoin privately. I guess I'll leave it up to you and your good judgment. If you're interested in learning how to buy Bitcoin privately, how to own Bitcoin privately, and how to transact in Bitcoin privately, then you need my newest course. Uh, a course that I developed with my friend Gabriel Custodiat uh, from Watchman Privacy on uh, called BitcoinPrivacyCourse.com. It's been had an amazing reception. Lots, loads of you have, have, have said it, and we've had great feedback on the course. So if you haven't gotten it yet, go to BitcoinPrivacyCourse.com and check it out. Let's talk about um, relationship issues. As we can see, in every area of finance, relationships play a role. Uh, it can be one of the biggest things that causes us trouble. Uh, maybe you're an international celebrity and you wind up in a $50 million defamation lawsuit. That's probably not the situation that you're in, uh, but it could be. And what I have to say in today's show will help you in that situation. I think what's more common would be 
uh, arguments and divorce, uh, relationships, marriage relationships that fall apart when uh, one partner starts abusing the other partner. Uh, it's also common, of course, that we've seen careers disrupted by allegations of sexual abuse, allegations of physical abuse. Uh, and I think most, at least all the listeners of Radical Personal Finance, we all want to see justice done. We want to see innocent people protected, and we want to see guilty people um, held accountable for their crimes. But unfortunately, we live in a world in which knowing, uh, being confident of a morally right outcome, especially when you get into a court battle, I guess I'd just say it's 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 not as we, we probably don't have as high of a confidence as we as we once did. I think there's been a big change over the last few years. I've I've known a lot of people that in years past, especially a lot of uh, conservative people, politically conservative people, culturally conservative people, who really had a big strong belief in the the ability of the justice system to deliver real justice. Uh, I know I myself felt that way when I was younger. I always thought, well, it's no big deal. If I go in front of a jury, I'm going to do the right thing, and I'll tell them my story, and they'll believe me. I think that's been a change in that I've noticed, is especially with various high-profile cases where people feel that, in some cases, justice was not done. In some cases, justice was done eventually, but the process itself was not just, etc. It feels to me that uh, our confidence in the judicial system has gone down. And I've long been an advocate of protecting yourself, protecting yourself so you can do what's morally right while you're dealing with a questionable legal system. Uh, some of the most popular episodes of Radical Personal Finance, in fact, have been on these topics. I've talked about how to arrest-proof yourself and your children, um, which is actually the same book that I'm drawing on for a portion of today's show. Uh, I've talked about why you shouldn't talk to the police and why it's so important. Uh, Alec Baldwin uh, his statement that he made to the police is potentially a major problem for him in his legal uh, legal battle battles, right? Don't talk to the cops ever. Just be silent and lawyer. That's all you say. Uh, but there are certain situations in which not talking to the police is not enough. You actually have to be super proactive. And in what we're going to talk about today, specifically the two topics are having sex with minors and yelling at and hitting women. Um, or yelling at and hitting men, uh, this, as we see in the, the Johnny Depp trial, uh, these are real problems. And they're areas where you might wind up in legal trouble uh, or even face allegations where your career can be crumbled, even if you've done nothing wrong. And so you have to be very, very proactive in this space to not only not do anything wrong, but also to avoid even the appearance of doing anything wrong. One of uh, my favorite lines from the King James Bible, avoid the appearance of evil. And that takes proactive planning. A good self-defense plan often starts long before an actual event, and this is no different. I want to begin with reading to you a few excerpts from the excellent book called How to Arrest Proof Yourself uh, by Dale Carson and Wes Dunham. Uh, this book Ever since I found it, has been something I've recommended so many times. It's just good, practical information. But in this book, he writes a chapter called When Girls Tell a Tale That Sends You to Jail. And it is uh, written in the traditional sense. Again, uh, I think I'm glad to see the exposure that Johnny Depp is getting uh, to show how many times women are abusers. Uh, it's something that I think has been uh, given short shrift 
uh, in the modern world, and it's a system that many times certain evil women have manipulated. Um, but I'm just going to go ahead and take the, the chapter as it goes. Let's get right into it. Uh, this chapter is addressed to men. It will infuriate women. Written with a testosterone-dipped pen, it discusses sex and crime from a man's point of view. It advises men how to defend themselves against women, but it does so by urging them to be aware of and obey certain laws. Here, as with drug use, society and the criminal justice system are headed in different directions. Society appears to be more tolerant of sex, yet the cops and courts now arrest and prosecute men for behaviors that years ago were either ignored or considered non-criminal. And a footnote on the page, despite strenuous efforts, women have not been able to get themselves arrested as often as men who are just better at it. I'm talking specifically about two offenses that are jamming the jails. One, having sex with minors. Two, yelling at and hitting women. Guys, you need to listen up because either of these offenses can get you hammered with a long stretch in prison and a lifetime on the electronic plantation. Quick bit of context before I continue. Uh, one of the things that this particular book does extremely well is talk about how the there exists what he calls an electronic plantation. Basically, it's a system of slavery which affects you if you get involved in the criminal justice system in any way. And you get involved in it by getting yourself arrested. And the whole point of this book is not getting arrested. I will link in the show notes to the full episode that I did years ago on this topic. Uh, it is, I don't know if it's still the most popular, but for many years it was the most popular episode of Radical Personal Finance. I will link it. You need to hear that episode in order to understand all the details, but that's what the electronic plantation uh, refers to. When I first read this book, it convinced me that it's not enough to say I'm innocent of a crime and I'll go in front of a jury and be found innocent, that it convinced me that I don't want to have anything to do with the system. I don't want to get arrested, period. And so I'm going to be very careful to avoid anything that could ever bring me to the point of getting arrested. As an added bonus, you could get listed with your very own photo on bulletin boards of sexual predators so that your neighbors will hate and fear you forever. The states have their reasons for aggressively arresting men. They have had it with the social chaos caused by unwed mothers. Thus, they enforce statutory rape, which is sex with minor girls, laws with a vengeance. As to strict enforcement of laws against domestic disturbance and domestic battery, prosecutors point out that murders of women drop by half when these laws are strictly enforced. Most men have no idea how seriously offenses against women are viewed by cops, prosecutors, and judges. These laws are often enforced by female police officers, female prosecutors, and female judges. Some of these women are on a mission from God to make men miserable. Getting scared yet? You should be. These laws are vigorously enforced and you have to deal with them. Ignorance can be disastrous. Getting savvy and arrest-proofing yourself is the only defense. Jailbait. You may be okay with bopping underage ladies, but legislators, judges, and cops are not. Nothing about this is simple. The age of consent, which in standard English means the age at which a girl can have consensual sex with you without your being at risk of going to jail, varies from state to state. Many states have a, quote, young love exception, 
So if you're a year or so older than the girl, you may not be in violation. Generally, however, if you're 20 or older and your girl is 17 or younger, your young sweetie pie is jailbait. But what's the problem? You retort. The girl loves me. She's happy. The sex is not only mind-blowing, but consensual. Here are her love letters to prove it. Those little hearts she draws above the letter I are as cute as lace pants. Alas, there are problems with all this. Underage girls cannot legally consent to have sex, just as they cannot legally enter into binding contracts or be held liable for debts. Weirdly, many states allow a single exception to the inability of minor girls to give legal consent, abortion. That's right, guys. The girl can consent to abort her baby, but she cannot consent for you to make her baby. Your young darling, no doubt glowing with love and exuding health and pheromones, generally wants to talk to other women about the rapturous sex she's enjoying. Women have to share experiences for them to be fully real. Alas, these feminine interlocutors generally are the girl's mother or best friend, and these guardians cannot wait to dial 911 and rat you out to the cops. Sex with a minor is a strict liability offense. In standard English, this means there ain't no defense except one. It didn't happen. The fact that the sen- that the fact that the sex the fact that sex was consensual means nothing in court. If the girl lies, shows a fake ID, or deceives you into having sex, it's not admissible in court. Likewise, any imputations about her character are inadmissible too. Your only hope of dismissal or acquittal is if the girl lies or refuses to testify. Statutes define sex with a young girl as sordid. Lovemaking becomes statutory rape. Soft caresses and butterfly kisses are called lewd and lascivious be- li- excuse me. Lewd and lascivious conduct. Get the picture? Shut up, shut up, shut up. Read the following carefully. I'm going to tell you about an old cop trick that gets you to unknowingly confess to statutory rape and dump yourself in the can before you even realize it. Once it is established that the girl you allegedly had sex with was underage, the cop will always ask in a calm, man-to-man tone, well, did she agree to it? If you blurt out, yeah, man, she dug it, or something to that effect, you just confessed to statutory rape. Years in the slammer. Remember, the only defense allowable in court in most states is that sex never happened. Period. So, when you're being interrogated about sex with an underage girl, give police your legal name and address. Then, clam up. Put a sock in it. Shut the heck up. Speed dial your attorney. Your butt's in hot water. And the popo will be turning up the heat. So, how do you avoid all this? Um, I usually find it distasteful to talk about a lot of this stuff. And I'm at an age where it doesn't really, I'm married, I'm getting old now, and I don't, it's not something I'm out in, involved in. But I have a lot of listeners of the podcast who are younger and who are in different stages of life. And this information is extremely important. You need to, I, I need to emphasize what he said is that sex with minors is statutory rape. Which as, he, as Dunham points out here, the only defense is don't do it. So how do you make sure that you don't do it? Here's how. Get the license 
fast. You must do two things to arrest-proof yourself. First, find out the age of consent in your state. Make sure you get information on the young love exception if you're near the girl in age. Second, and most important, check that your girl is of age in the following manner. Ask for a driver's license. Why a driver's license? Because it's a hard ID to fake. This sounds easy, but it isn't. Imagine, you're in the bedroom, the candles are burning, and the cover is drawn. The girl is opening her arms and whispering, love me. In musical tones that reverberate to the dawn of time, there's hardly any thinking going on. So, timing is crucial. You've got to get the ID before the coital avalanche, and the earlier, the better. Often the girl will protest, don't you trust me? The answer, of course, is, uh, the answer is, of course I do, but. In sex, as in nuclear arms control, the watchwords are trust, but verify. Since it's nearly impossible to think when your blood is boiling with lust, oh, excuse me, love, here are some magic words to say to winkle out the all-important ID. They're sappy, but women love it sappy. Darling, our love is strong, and we've got to be strong. Showing me your license is the strongest proof that you love me, and that what we're doing is right, so very, very right. If you're too young, we can wait. Our love will only get better, sweeter, and closer over time. After you say these words, if no license is forthcoming, or if she's too young, whisper a sweet goodbye and then run like hell. Don't go back. No calls. No letters. Do nothing. Do you know what cops call love letters and messages left on answering machines to minor girls? Evidence. Obviously, you should know who you're having sex with. Have you considered abstinence? I'll skip um, a couple of the, the next things, but the point here is simply this. You must be wise and be very, very careful. The best way to avoid being uh, convicted of or accused of any kind of sexual crime or sexual misconduct is to not commit any sexual misconduct or any sexual crime. Um, What I believe is the best way to do it is to wait until you are old enough to marry, find a woman, court her, marry her, and then have sex with her. That's worked for me. I highly recommend it. It's been wonderful. doesn't solve all the problems. Lots of guys that later go on to deal with the next section of, of uh, domestic abuse, etc., domestic disturbance. Um, sometimes it ends in divorce, and it gets awful. doesn't solve all the problems, but it solves a significant number of these problems. If you're not going to practice that, then you need to make sure that you... Uh, that you avoid ever having sex with an underage, uh, an underage person. In addition, as Dunham stated, even if you don't have sex with an underage girl, make sure that there's never any hint of your being in a relationship with an underage girl for all the reasons stated. Here's why. Even if there's no legal argument against you, that in and of itself can destroy your life, especially in an era in which that evidence that you have committed, that you have given to somebody, is easily publicized. In the modern age, one of the most powerful tools that we all have to blackmail another person, to take down another person, is to publish the evidence that we have of that person's misconduct. 
And if there's ever even a hint of misconduct or a situation that could be construed as being misconduct, even if you did the right thing, the evidence that you left behind may wind up sinking you. I always use the example of Joseph from the Bible with my children to teach them this. If you remember the example of Joseph, Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery. He was taken to Egypt. He was bought as a slave by a man named Potiphar. Potiphar um, found that Joseph was a very good slave, and Potiphar gave Joseph a significant amount of responsibility to serve as the steward of his house. Joseph was a very good-looking young man. Joseph was beautiful. He He was strong. He was muscular. He was very attractive. And Potiphar's wife found herself sexually attracted to Joseph. Potiphar went out of town on business, and Potiphar's wife, whenever, whenever Potiphar was gone, was frequently trying to get Joseph to come and sleep with her. So she enticed him again and again. He refused every time. So then Potiphar's out of town. She gets Joseph to come by, and she says, Joseph, come and sleep with me. He says, no. She gets angry at him, and he turns and he runs away. Doesn't have sex with her, doesn't assault her in any way. But in running away, she's able to get his cloak, his robe. So he runs away naked because she pulled off his robe, and she's got his robe. Well, now she screams, calls the other servants, and she has firsthand proof of Joseph's alleged attempt to rape her, to assault her. And she's got the proof of it because of his robe. Joseph did everything right, as far as we know. In fact, interestingly, he's one of the very few characters in the Bible of whom no moral, uh, immoral behavior is ever recorded. It's very hard to find anyone in the Bible who it, you don't see all the bad stuff. Joseph is one of the very few um, characters who's there's really nothing bad that you can ever say about him. And so Joseph winds up getting sent to prison. He's in prison for these decades, a very long time, because of his upright behavior. Probably would have been safer if he just had sex with her. But of course, that would have violated him. And so this is the the classic example, meaning it would have been morally wrong to sleep with another man's wife, and he would have had that on his conscience. He would have sinned. He wouldn't have been in prison, most likely, uh, but he wouldn't have been wrong. And so what was the key thing in that situation? Well, part of it may, you may argue that Joseph should have gotten away sooner, but that's really hard to argue, right? If you can imagine, right, if you're in a, in a, in a boss and you're, you're, sorry, if you're in a job and your boss is coming on to you in some way, that's a really awkward situation to be in, especially when it first happens, because you're sitting there saying, I want to keep my job. I don't want to do anything that's wrong, but I also don't want to be rude because you know that this person has control over you. If you rebuff your boss's advances, then now all of a sudden your boss has the ability to make your life miserable. And so, of course, what a lot of people naturally do, totally understandable, is try to balance it, right? Try to not go, try to not rebuff your boss and tell him he's a pig and harm your career, but also try to not go all the way to to giving in to him in some way. And so just the situation gets bad, and there's, it's a lose-lose situation. There's, not, there's no real winning in it. The only way to win is to not be there in the first place. But then you're in a situation where you were in it somehow, and now there's physical evidence. And it's my story against your story, but who has more evidence? In that situation of Joseph and Potiphar's wife, Potiphar's wife had Joseph's clothes, She argued, Joseph assaulted me. Joseph didn't. He ran away because she was assaulting him. 
and who went to prison. Nothing has changed in, what, 6,000 years, 5,000 years, 4,000 years, who knows? I don't remember um, the, the chronology perfectly, but nothing has changed. Whether it's 2022 or 4,000 BC, same thing. It tale is as old as time. And in this situation, right, you see clearly women and men. Woman makes the accusation, man goes to prison. What do you do? Number one, keep your behavior upright and moral. Number two, if you ever find out that you're involved in some kind of illicit relationship, either because it's an underage girl or because it is, um, you know, you're married or she's married, something like that, get out and cut off the evidence. No letters, no notes, no nothing. Everything that you send, and we'll talk more about this in a moment, but we'll talk about it now. As you see right now in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, one of the things that is a feature of our modern world is you have to assume that every single word that you say is being recorded anytime you ever say it, and that it'll be published to the entire world. Why? Because for the first time in human history, any person can record any other person and publish it to the entire world. It's a fundamentally new thing. Go back to the 1990s, and if you wanted to find a surreptitious recording device, you had to come up with some kind of surreptitious recording device. Today, every single phone is a recording and broadcasting device. Today, every single old phone is a recording and broadcasting device that can broadcast. It's a bug, right? You can take your old phone, pop a SIM in it, stick it in someone's car, um, now you have a recording of everything that happens in that car. Uh, it's just the, right. This is the spy novels of the, of the nineties and the two thousands. Now is that equipment is available to all of us. The CIA in the 1960s would have dearly loved to have something as small as a cell phone that you can put a, start a phone call in. You can stick it in someone's car with the volume off and record everything that that person says in their car. Now you can bug anybody's car. Every single AirPod is a recording device. Every single Apple Watch or smartwatch of any kind is a recording device. Every single thing is a bug, right? I've got multiple microphones, little itty-bitty microphones that are wireless transmitters that I can put anywhere and they'll translate, transmit hundreds of yards to a receiver that I can then record everything and they last for hours. Even if there's no receiver, they record. Right, I've got these little microphones that I use that they'll record ten hours just right there, and there's they don't give anything off, just a tiny little thing, stick it under a chair, etc. So in the modern world, you have to assume that every word that you say is going to be recorded. Every word you say. Now, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It's potentially a bad thing, right? People feel less secure, less privacy. It has psychological impact when you feel you're on display all the time. Um, you don't really feel comfortable, oftentimes, kind of being yourself, et cetera. But on the other hand, it's probably not a bad thing, meaning that we should, we're going to, we're ultimately in eternity, when we stand before God, we're accountable for every word that we've said, every action that we've done. So why not go ahead and recognize that and start living that way? Right? Don't say things that you're going to regret. Don't do things that you're going to regret and avoid times of weakness that are going to keep you from doing that, right? Don't get drunk. Don't um, be intoxicated in some other way that's going to cause you to do something that's wrong. Don't be, an, um, be, be proactive to try to avoid situations when you're weak. 
Um, but we're all human, right? We all, we all fail. We've all made mistakes. The point is that in today's world, those mistakes can be transmitted to a global audience in an instant. And the person who has any kind of evidence in a your word against my word affair will quickly find that evidence is usually heard more strongly. So be super, super careful. Be always on your guard. Every message you send can be screenshotted. This is new. Pay attention. In the old days, yes, you could send a letter, and that letter is evidence. But today, you could send a letter. That letter gets taken a picture of. It gets published. goes around the world. You don't have a chance to tell your side of the story. Think of what Johnny Depp is going through, right? He had his side of the story, and the only way it seems that he could get his side of the story out was to shut his mouth, be pilloried for a long time by a lot of people, to be assumed to be the worst guy in the world until he could get to court. And there in a controlled environment, getting to court could do that. Well, you probably don't have Johnny Depp's resources. You're probably not going to be you. And that information, once it gets out there, is massively powerful. And it's there forever. Again, It's always been there forever. But think about people who 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 60 years ago were alleged to to be involved with with something, right? You think of the, I don't need to name any names, right? There's plenty, there's too many of them. Um, But that one letter was there, the yearbook, that was the evidence. Well, today, that evidence, it's, it's, it's public and it's permanent forever. So you've got to be extra careful. Do the right thing. Right? Don't have sex with minors. Don't have sex outside marriage. But don't have sex with minors, definitely. But more importantly, if you ever have any indication that you're in any kind of relationship with a minor, stop. Stop. I've known more than one young man, right, 20 years old, had a relationship with a teenager, marks him for life. People always go and, eh, never mind. Let's go on. Next next topic. Smack your woman and you'll do a stretch. In centuries past, male, quote unquote, correction of female behavior was administered with the back of the hand and accompanied by appropriate roars and bellows. In the 21st century, behavioral correction of the female has different names. Bellowing, is called domestic disturbance. The back of the hand is known as domestic battery. Both will get you arrested and jailed in a hurry. Tough enforcement has good and bad consequences. On the one hand, many women and men avoid serious injury. On the other, states now intervene early in disputes. Arguments that once might have been resolved by participants now result in arrests and imprisonment. Participants are consigned to the social services plantation. Children are removed from parents and dumped into hellish foster homes. Men are sentenced to anger management classes, and all and sundry are psychoanalyzed, cataloged, and managed by government employees. The arrests and all too often the voluminous social services and medical records get into the electronic plantation, where they are accessed by prospective employers, ex-spouses, and civil litigants. A few yelling matches can rapidly become a criminal, social, psychological, and financial furball. 
Men and women argue. They yell. It may be a natural occurrence, but it can also be a crime. Here's another problem. Domestic dispute laws are enforced most strongly against the poor and the clueless for a simple reason. Thin walls. In apartments, sounds carry through walls, and neighbors call the cops. In freestanding houses, especially expensive houses with wide lawns and thick, well-insulated walls, shouts and screams are inaudible. Nobody complains. Nothing happens. Don't talk. Walk. Here are arrest-proofing procedures for staying free after arguments with women. 1. When an argument gets loud, assume that the police have been called and are on the way. 2. Shut up. Do not utter any sound whatsoever. 3. Turn on your heel. Walk to the door and leave. Do not be present when police arrive because in an angry state you'll argue, confess, flee, lie, and otherwise give cops reasons not only to arrest you, but also to pile on charges. 4. Do not get into your car. In an angry state, you're likely to get into an accident or get pulled over for a traffic violation. In addition, the woman may describe the car and give the license plate number to police, who will then issue a B-O-L-O, BOLO, be on the lookout, notice for your vehicle. Cops can find a car more quickly than they can find a person on foot who has a head start. So, leave on foot and keep going. 5. Walk quickly, but do not run. Running attracts attention. If possible, go to a restaurant, bar, or convenience store where you can sit down and cool off. 6. Call someone who can take you someplace to stay. 7. Retrieve your car the next day. Do not talk with the woman. Just get in and drive, slowly and lawfully. 8. Do not talk with the woman for at least three days. Let your emotions subside so you can think. Telephone calls, answering machine messages, or notes may be considered stalking, another crime. Avoid all communication. 9. If you merely had a loud argument, you will likely remain free. If you struck or injured the woman, you will be arrested. Your attorney can find out if you have an outstanding warrant. Police will take photographs of bruises and injuries, and these and the woman's testimony are enough to convict you in most states. By leaving, you at least avoid confessing to police or committing add-on offenses, so the charges will be less serious and less well-documented. This will help your defense. 10. Once you leave a woman after an argument, think seriously about your situation. If you and the woman argue frequently and have to live in an apartment, you almost certainly will be arrested at some point. If you cannot live with the woman quietly, you must leave and stay gone. Abandon possessions rather than risk an argument that will lead to jail. This is important. I'll repeat it. Abandon all possessions. Your crappy stereo, dirty clothes, scratchy CDs, and cheapo fishing rods are not worth an encounter that can lead to prison. Don't get steamed that your soon-to-be ex has your stuff. Think of it this way. She's now the proud possessor of crappy stereo, scratchy CDs, dirty clothes, fishing rods smeared with worm goo and rotting shrimp and squid. Say to yourself, but not to her, congratulations, honey. Enjoy it while you can. I'm off to Walmart to refit with all new stuff. 
If your ex insists on holding on to your tidy whities with the tire tracks in the middle, more power to her. She can frame them and hang them on the wall. Ladies, this goes for you too. Communicate about child custody, real estate, and bank accounts through attorneys. If you're married, file for divorce. Avoid going to hearings if your presence is not legally required. And let attorneys handle everything. Most important, do not be in the woman's presence without a witness. Do not send emails or letters that contain threats or that might become evidence against you in criminal and civil proceedings. You must consider these possibilities when you are subject to arrest for domestic disturbance and battery. The woman might lie and induce others to lie. The woman may injure herself before police arrive so as to increase the charge against you from misdemeanor disturbance to felony battery. The woman might attack and injure you. You might argue with or injure the woman. This sounds harsh, but it's not. Women can recruit the power of the state to take their side in disputes with men, with disastrous consequences. I myself can testify to the soundness of this advice. One of my ex-wives chased me around the kitchen, knife in hand, shouting. She was easily disarmed. I was not injured. Had the police been called, had she been the least bit injured, without question, I would have gone to jail. Luckily, I was teaching about domestic violence at the police academy when this happened. I knew what to do, and I did it. I walked out the door, filed for divorce, and have not laid eyes on her since. I abandoned thousands of dollars in in new appliances at a time when my wallet was flat as a flounder. Fortunately, I remained free and saved my legal career, which a felony conviction would have ruined. If you haven't read Arrest Proof Yourself by Dale Carson, I would strongly encourage you to do it. It's a wonderful book and will open your eyes to the dangers that you face, but Very importantly, it'll just simply open your eyes to uh, the things that you can do to protect yourself. It's always hard to read a book like that uh, because you become extra sensitive, right? You think it seems pretty common that, you know, people yell at each other. Men and women yell at each other. Husbands and wives yell at each other, et cetera. And you think, what should you do? (laughs) Um, Well, you know what to do in terms of the legal risk. So this is... That's the advice, and I don't know of any better advice. It makes me angry that that's the advice. I don't think that relation. I don't think people should yell at each other. Yelling is not productive, um, but you know it happens. But yet we live in a world in which the justice is is not is not there. It doesn't work. So I think that that advice is the best advice. Uh, I have a hard time going to the sense that you should divorce if you had a yelling match. But I see the the, the danger. Right? It's a significant and serious danger. Uh, I would, I do think that even as you see in the the Johnny Depp case, number one, at all times, assume that you're being recorded at all times and learn and practice techniques of not ever, not being angry or at least not expressing anger in any kind of verbally loud or violent way. Uh, I do think that that's something that all people can learn that, that yelling, there's never any point in yelling, um, yelling it happens, right? People yell when they get upset. But if you, if I ever catch myself yelling, then I want to make, then I want to notice it and make sure it doesn't happen. Um, 
it's been something I've been blessed to be pretty decent at as far as not yelling. I'm trying to think of any example where I have, but don't yell. I mean, and discipline yourself and train yourself to communicate even about difficult things quietly, etc. I think with our children, same thing. We need to discipline them and train them to 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 discipline themselves in their speech so that they don't so they express themselves in productive ways, not in non-productive ways. Assume that you're being recorded at all times and learn to record yourself. Again, um, I use I have buttons on my watch and phone and such that I use for recording notes when they occur to me. I always want to have quick access to a voice recorder. But if you ever wind up in a situation, use that. Use that to your benefit. Um, Simply record yourself and record the encounter so that you have evidence, evidence to exonerate you uh, and protect you. And even if you're not in a court situation, you don't wind up in a legal battle or in a court situation, it will at least protect you and help you to avoid that situation. There are other things that could be said, um, right? Avoid toxic relationships. Account, just trust that they're, stand up for yourself. Understand that the things don't generally improve, meaning you look at a situation that you see in brutal honesty in a court scenario with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. And you're like, how did this ever get to this point? Was it not obvious earlier? Uh, but life is not nearly so in, when you're in the moment, life is never nearly as, as, as clear as it looks from an outside perspective or from a later perspective. So I don't have much more that's useful to, to share with you, but I do want you to be very, very careful. And I think you need to be cautious and wise and circumspect. Um, it's interesting. One of the things that I I wrote in the notes of in the notes of uh, of my book when I was reading that I was thinking about the great debate over the so called Billy Graham rule. The uh, Christian evangelist Billy Graham years ago had a rule, quote unquote, that he that he uh, lived by, and that he asked all of the members of his staff on his ministry team to abide by, which was simply don't be alone in a private place with. Uh, a member of the opposite sex. And that rule then has actually become very controversial over the years. And Mike Pence, I think, uh, famously ascribes to that. And this was a big argument when when, um, Mike Pence was vice president of the United States, that um, all of the feminists and the women pundits are saying, well, women are excluded from conversation, from advancements and those intimate conversations and ability to, to kind of get it forward. And you can understand that, right? It's certainly understandable when you try to bring men and women together and figure out how to have these intimate goings on, et cetera. But that shouldn't be your concern, meaning that the only person's behavior that you can control is your own. You can control your own behavior, and the only person's reputation that you have the duty to protect is your own. And life is not fair. Nobody has an, it's not fair. And so you have a duty to look out for your own interests. Um, I generally work alone. I'm not, don't, I, don't, it's not a, I don't work in a company where I have a bunch of other people. I kind of run my own ship, so it's not a big deal for me. But I think that you need to be very on your guard to make sure that, like we said, not only is do you not do anything wrong, not only do you not ever do anything that could be misconstrued as being wrong, right? Don't abuse people, don't assault people, don't uh, right? don't don't be a, let, a lecherous person, don't be don't do that, right? 
But you need to be very, very careful to eliminate any kind of evidence that could be lied about, misconstrued in any way as being wrong. And I hope that this gives you some ideas about what to do. Uh, I hate talking about the stuff because it makes you super paranoid, right? But I think that paranoia in this sense is a proper perspective to recognize that the dangers are significant. And there are so many people. Let me talk for just a moment about marriage um, and divorce. You hate to, I, I love marriage. I think marriage is one of the most important institutions of mankind, brings a stability to society, brings a stability to people's lives. And when you see marriage under attack, either in the minimization of marriage, um, it leads to a very unstable society, which is where we are right now. You got men and women trying to figure out how to have sex with each other without any any rules, right? The rule of consent and is basically the the morality of the day is that well, if there's consent, but how do you prove consent? How do you know consent, right? It just doesn't. It's a it's an asinine uh, approach, and so this is why marriage was developed as the bounds for sex. And why it has proved so spectacularly successful in creating a stable and orderly society. If you go back throughout history, you can find all kinds of societies that have tried all kinds of crazy stuff. But the stable, you know, the stable, long-running societies are where there's marriage to establish clear boundaries among sexual relationships of men and women, and those things were were supported by the society and the legal structure. Well, as we've entered into a new era where that bond that cultural grip of, of, of the primacy of marriage has disappeared, then, of course, we wind up seeing increasing levels of instability in society. Not at all levels and not broadly. Many people have perfectly fine relationships, but the edges, the periphery, you can see that instability and you can see the, the deleterious effects of that. So as you try to figure out how to navigate through it, you say, okay, what do I do? And, and I think the reason why I want to talk, wanted to mention this is that in financial affairs, marriage and divorce becomes often a weapon that people use against each other. And so in <clears throat> this varies from state to state, country to country. But if you have a marriage where love has, grown, has gone cold, you have partners who are considering divorce, or considering how they're not happy in the marriage anymore, the marriage isn't working, et cetera, then everything becomes then a nasty, it can move towards basically dissolving a business partnership. When you're dissolving a business partnership, feelings and people often go to the back and money comes to the forefront. And so one of the most common disasters that occurs to people's finances is divorce. And you wind up, at the very least, having everything, which cuts your wealth by half, right? If you and your, your, your wife have all your assets together and, hey, we've got a million dollars, each of you view that money as, we got a million dollars. Now, all of a sudden, we got a half a million dollars in the best case scenario. Then it becomes a matter of jockeying for position in court. So how do I enhance my case? And that's where this stuff comes in, right? And you have to recognize that people are smart. People are smart. And I've worked with too many people whose spouses turn against them. They start manipulating the situations, manipulating the, the, the evidence, systematically compiling evidence against their spouse. And that's the smart thing to do. Because if you can take evidence into court of abuse, violent temperament, you can take evidence into, into court of, of misbehavior of some kind, now you wind up 
getting a, a bigger share of the pie potentially. So it's a big, big deal to learn how to, to, number one, be very careful in your conduct. Number two, to be very careful that even with your proper conduct, no evidence is created that could give any hint of that. Uh, And that's your best defense. That's it for today's show. I hope you uh, enjoyed it. I hope that you... uh, find that uh, even though it's no fun, I hope that you find that practical advice useful and I hope that you'll take it and help others and teach others, right? I think that all young men and women um, should be taught very explicitly, very carefully uh, what I've said in this chapter. Uh, it would make a, makes it, it will make a big difference to some. And I hope that, um, I hope that you can take these ideas and share them. Get a copy of uh, of Carson's book, read it, uh, listen to the podcast that I linked in the show notes, and make sure you go to bitcoinprivacycourse.com, today's sponsor for the Bitcoin Privacy Course. Thank you. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.